0: Hello, everyone. As we've now learned, a number of world leaders have tested positive for coronavirus. Well, my test was negative, as you all know. In fact, it was so negative that the doctors said they never saw a negative number. So low. So low. They said it was beautifully negative. They were very, very impressed. It was perfect. It was perfectly negative. Tremendously negative. Actually, They've never seen a test this negative before in history. And my doctor, he said it best. It was the greatest negative score of anyone who's ever taken the coronavirus test. You know, other people have have tested negative, but no one's tested close to where I tested in the negative spectrum of negativity. What the hell is that? Yes, my name is Brian what would you say you do here stone on air i'm so happy i could die
1: oh that's so funny
0: i'm so happy i could die right
1: now don't die though right
0: i'm so happy since you left me i could die because i'm so
1: Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. My name is Brian. How are you? I am doing quite well on this Wednesday, May 27th, 2020. Just had to pull myself away from another riveting episode of Shark Tank. Talking about TV a lot in the last month and a half or so, and uh, I'm telling you, that show, it just sucks me in. And since I have barely ever watched it for a decade, there's so many. It's always a new episode. Uh, so I was able to finally come down stairs into the garage, uh, a week with the new kitten, Budro, uh, Budro, Budro, I'm not sure how I'm going to pronounce it exactly, but um, it, it was fun at first, and it still is. I mean, it's kitten's a kitten, but I forget... The madness that is a kitten, probably a puppy too as well, even though I think dogs suck whether they're full-grown or puppies or what. But this cat, this kitten, either sleeps or is nonstop on fire, wanting to play and smack around everything. And these claws, these on these paws, these, these, these nails are like razor blades. And I cannot even just sit at the couch, and she spends a lot of time underneath the couch, and just swats, swatting my heels, and um, it, it or climbing, jumping on me and grabbing hold with those claws and damn it, man, if that isn't uh, painful, but uh, still happy to have her. And she is uh, she, she's a good time. But man, kittens can be annoying as hell. I hear squawking right now outside the door because I've got the door shut uh, in the garage to go upstairs because I don't want her doing the same thing Dudre would normally do and come in here and jump on the table and knock off all my papers and just uh, distract me and screw me up all during the recording process. Which I think that's probably not unique to my former cat and my current. I think that's pretty much what cats do. All right. Speaking of the television programming update, I have the final episode of season three of Handmaid's Tale to finish. Brittany's been in DC for a few days, so we had to put that on hold. And I watched a uh, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, doc on IDTV, I think is what it's called. And um, man, of course, we all. No, likely anyway. Jeffrey Dahmer, the guy who killed people and ate them, like that's that's what we. He was a cannibal. That that's what generally you hear or what you think of or what the quick like. Hey, what was Jeffrey? Who was Jeffrey Dahmer? Oh, he was the guy that killed people and ate them. Um, clearly, any story and and situation like that is much more detailed than that. And uh, there was so much in this doc that I had never never known before. Uh, and I won't tell you much in case you want to watch it. It's uh, it's it's fascinating stuff. True crime stuff is pretty much fascinating to everybody. Some people obsess over it more than others. But he targeted primarily African American or or just at least minorities. Now I don't know if he was st- strictly specific to African American, but there was very rarely any Caucasians that were in uh, that he had that he that were his victims. And he as he got older continued to get away with this he started going more and more into uh, downtrodden areas uh, where there was plenty of other crime where cops were were focused on drugs and gang activity while he was just kind of the I don't know the little bit different kind of guy that kept to himself all the while was cannibalizing murdering and torturing people drugging uh, men may uh, all were men uh, no women And it was another one of those situations where you watch people talking about him who knew him from when he was young. And generally, because I guess we romanticize history seemingly in most situations, it's another one of those, oh, I never would have expected this. I never would have seen this coming. One of them did the classic, oh, he would never hurt anything. He wouldn't even hurt a fly, which is such a weird, cliché thing to say. If you won't hurt a fly... You're weird in your own right. You should be killing every fly you see, right? I get the point. My point is, is why do we always revert to this? I mean, the the tapes that they were playing from Jeffrey Dahmer, I guess what, after he was in jail and he did some interviews of, of some kind, I, I guess, the way he talked and a little bit of footage they have of him from uh, before he was ever caught, it was like, this guy's weird as hell. Like, this guy ain't normal. And anybody who is going to do the things that he did just isn't a normal person. And I hate to even say that because I get it. What, what even is normal? I, I don't know. But my, my greater point is there's something wrong with this dude. And I guess people are just pre-wired to not say, yeah, that guy freaked me the F out. And, yeah, I thought something weird was going on. I don't know why that doesn't happen more often. This isn't like Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, I watched some docs on him recently. Uh, he was a complete sociopath like a psychotic sociopath that got his rocks off on torturing women and then keeping it a secret and living a seemingly normal life like that was a different kind of brain psychology and brain science that I'll never be able to understand Jeffrey Dahmer was just a tortured soul who was just crazy fascinations and uh and and terrible mental capacity and mental deterioration and illness. I would be willing to bet that virtually every single person listening to this and every one of us walking around knows somebody, works with somebody, has involvement with somebody that is so peculiar, so odd, so I don't like to say weird because I like weird. So awkward. Awkward's the best, probably the best way to put it because awkwardness almost paralyzes me. I can handle all kinds of different emotions and different kinds of social settings, but awkwardness, I can't, I think we can all say, yeah, that guy or that gal or that person, if you told me they were insert some heinous thing here, I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't see that coming. What are you new here? Are you not paying attention and never in these docs and never in the, uh, the re- recounting of history. Does anybody say, yeah, that dude was effed, up man and this doesn't really surprise me at all it doesn't i wish we would get more of that again i think most people are just wired to say oh you seem like such a nice guy anyway check it out if you'd like let's see a couple of things here before i get to the layout of the show what do we got here unemployment Have you seen this the first stimulus package um this is insanity, and the Republicans, and rightfully so, are going to lose their bleep over the more and more they figure it out. And I think I saw some blurbs about uh, the usual asshole sus- suspects like McConnell and um, whoever the hell else is always vocal saying, uh, "Oh, and Lindsey asshole Graham." They're not going to let this happen again and again. They 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 shouldn't. There is so much money being given out right now through the stimulus package, to people from, primarily from my experiences, from who I've talked to and what I know at at firsthand, the restaurant industry, and they're making so much more money than they were making at their old jobs. Obviously, we can see the problems with that. Now, is that an indictment on the uh, stimulus package? Or is that an indictment on the workforce? Is that an indictment on the people who can't get better jobs than they are? I don't know. That's not my point. We just can't be giving people more money than they would make at their jobs because they're not ever going to go back to their jobs. As long, you know, I'm, I'm trying to play both sides here without pissing off. You know, again, my liberal friends hate me. My conservative friends hate me. Um, I don't know why we can't just all be moderately happy together. And I have plenty of moderate friends, but it's seemingly less and less. That's going to have to come to a stop, though, and I am i don't know enough about it to spend an entire segment on it, though I believe it probably deserves one. And one more quickly, um, I didn't even really hardly read into this over the last day and a half. Another cops or cops have killed another African-American. I don't understand why it is so difficult for police to not kill people. I'm not turning this into um, anybody's lives matter conversation. I just don't get it. You have to really really try to kill somebody you know a full grown-ass adult male or female we're pretty damn resilient you know killing somebody is something you have to really try to do you don't generally speaking accidentally kill somebody i'm not sure why other than it's more fuel for my don't trust cops don't trust them and it's not just cops i'm trying to hate on them there's so many lines of work where we're just pre-programmed to just give respect, whether they deserve it or not. I'm just kind of throwing this out here, not putting a lot of effort or time into this segment or this, you know, this thought cops, doctors, teachers, lawyers, military. These are all really, really important people who do important things. But if one of those, if one of them's a bad guy doing that, they can cause way more harm and erase so much good being done by these people. Cops, doctors, teachers, lawyers, military. And when it comes to the cop world, police officers, law enforcement, any old dumb asshole can be one. I've said this over and over over the years, and some people have looked at me like, man, what a jerk you are. But it is pretty true. You know, the prerequisites aren't much. And why a police force can't somehow sit down and say, listen, no more killing anybody in a random situation out on the streets. When there aren't guns involved, and there, aren't, and, and there isn't an immediate threat. How is it that you guys keep effing killing people? Stop it. And I hate to be flippant and almost start laughing about it. I, I'm so desensitized to so many things in the world, I didn't even spend any time on it, reading much about it, because of course they did. Of course this happened again. All right, let's see. We'll take a look at the show going forward here. The final segment of the show, Mental Illness, Addiction, Gambling, Drugs, Alcohol... And the way people are dealing with these issues during a pandemic is, um, is something that I don't think a lot of people spend a lot of time on. And I would like to uh, take a look at that here for a few minutes at the end. And in the second segment of the show, Tim Kelly is running for mayor. And as I looked into some things to try to figure out how I was going to discuss that dis- topic today, I found some interesting tidbits about Chattanooga over the years, the history of the mayor uh, mayoral position here, and um, my overall thoughts on that decision by Tim. That will be the second segment of the show, but for the rest of this segment, it's today's coolest thing and the worst idea. And the worst idea is going to bring back the Stones Throw segment which I used to do on the radio show every week back in the day and then on the podcast every week for a while until I feel like it had kind of run its course and I just bring it back here and there when something just generally pisses me off. First though we will start with the coolest thing. Wrong one there. There we go. It is James McMurtry. His song is called Memorial Day. This is just a portion of about a minute or so with Memorial Day being just the other day, why not today's coolest thing? Mama keeps trying to get the game on the radio. Daddy's got to know the score. There's a big yellow thing on a flatbed trailer. Wonder what, what that thing's for. We got towels rolled up in the backseat windows. Keeping us out of the sun. Just a hundred more miles and we'll be at grandma. Sure is gonna be fun. Maybe she'll take us fishing. Maybe she'll bake us a pie Remember like she did that one time Back before Grandpa died This Memorial Day in America Everybody's on the road Let's remember our fallen heroes Y'all be sure and drive slow This Memorial Day in America This is how it's supposed to be Let's remember our fallen heroes Back when a uber-liberal singer-songwriter could still be very, very proud and patriotic and sing about the problems that face all levels of society and walks of life. His name is James McMurtry. He was pretty much discovered by uh, John Cougar Mellencamp back in the mid to late 80s. I think James was even on... Maybe one of those early farm aids, uh with Willie Nelson and all those guys. Just really good roots, Americana, folk, rock, storytelling stuff. If you're not familiar with James McMurtry, take some time. And just, if nothing else, just go to the most listened to on Spotify. He is uh, hes a treasure of a songwriter. I've met him before. He's a total asshole. <laughs> he's a pompous, I know everything, and you don't type of guy. Uh, but I don't care about those kinds of things anymore. That doesn't mean I do or don't like him. i If I love the music, I, I love the music. So there's your coolest thing, Memorial Day, which came damn early. Uh, I guess because Sunday, yeah, Sunday's the final day of the month. So uh, this Memorial Day snuck up on me quickly. And that brings today's worst idea. I'm on Twitter and I see that Jimmy Fallon is trending. Why is Jimmy Fallon trending? He's trending because he <laughs> because he wore blackface, quote-unquote, as it was said through many of the posts. He impersonated Chris Rock on Saturday Night Live nearly 20 years ago and today the Bernie bros and the crazy uber left nonsensical as as the right would call them libtards spend uh the, the which is offensive in its own way of a, of a combination of, of a word spent the day saying how he needed to I don't know cancel culture well here's portions of that skit from 20 years ago and actually it was funny as hell rock now we're talking where is it man oh man read this book i've seen who wants to be a millionaire and guess what not a lot of black folks on the show right (laughs) not a lot of black folks on the show know why because black folks don't like to answer questions (laughs) oh they want to be millionaires but you got to ask that kind of questions like in 1981 how many grams of crack did rick James smoke when he recorded super (laughs) Freak? You think the only way to get a brother on
0: the show is to name it. Who wants $50 cash and a pair of (laughs)
1: Pumas? Who wants $50 cash and a pair of Pumas is the worst idea, the cancel culture world that we live in. Jimmy Fallon trending on Twitter, and it brings back the Stones Throw segment. Heads up. It's Stones Throw. Wait, What? Oh, whoa. Back up the truck. Beep, beep. What are you talking about? Is technology making us mentally ill? Look at me, I'm stupid, I can't do math. This is not making sense to the young adult anymore, and they're tired of it. Does that satisfy you? Are you satisfied now? Ah, Courtney Barnett, How I Missed You So. The song is called Pedestrian at Best. Give me all your money, and I'll make some origami, honey. So I won't be real long on this. This was a segment I used on the old show to just regularly just rant and rave, and sometimes I enjoy doing that, and sometimes I don't. Forced, contrived anger is annoying in all walks of. Of audio and uh, video, television life. And so that's part of the reason why I got rid of it. I didn't to do it every week anywhere. there's there's no reason to every single week have something to lose your mind about that's a little boring. So, but after I thought about this for a little bit today, it really got me thinking, what what what's the root of the crazy left liberal agenda? the Bernie Bro world? The millennials primarily are responsible for a lot of this nonsensical way of viewing life and it's really turned into a my way or the highway kind of thing and when do we sometimes just not just stand up and say hey how about you shut the bleep up like enough go away pound sand bro i don't care what you have to say and i can't wait for somebody in the mainstream to do that i would love jimmy fallon to come out and say hey I was impersonating a black man, a friend of mine, a well-known uh, character to this television program On I'm on now and to the comedy universe. And not only did I kill it, not only was that as funny as anything I've ever done, if you gave me the opportunity to do it again, I would because it would be even better. So just get missing, man. Get out of here with that nonsense. Get this madness out of here. Just love that for that to happen one of these days. Al Franken. When he stepped down as a senator, right? He was a senator in Minnesota, wasn't it? Because of the the picture or whatever, when whatever the hell it was, The dumbest idea ever. And those those were Democrats that were calling for his ouster. To, to look at the president we have right now, and we're going to demonize Al Franken. Which Al Franken would have said, "F you! I'm not leaving this seat. If These constituents want to vote me out. I'll leave, but I'm not quitting." That, that creates a, a, a precedent that's that's harmful going forward. Now, of course, no one's ever going to do that except for the asshole president. But that's why people like Trump so much, because he does just say F you. If you don't like it, so what? And everybody's attention spans from children, toddlers, teenagers, 20-somethings, 40-somethings, 80-somethings, the, the attention spans are evaporated. They're not there anymore. They're not going to remember that. You think anybody even remembers what Al Franken, what his position even was, or what that was even over? Of course they don't. We're on to the next sensationalized thing that's out there that's trending on Twitter. Just somebody just say just beat it, bro. And here's what it all comes down to. And this is a cliche. And it's one of those kind of boring topics, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's because it's 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 cliche because it's true and it's real. I've done this over and over and over again. The participation trophy lifestyle. This is where this madness was created. In the late 1990s and at the turn of the century, and there's so many different aspects to this that I'm not going to spend any amount of time on it. I'm just going to go right to the bare bones of it. The participation trophy. The just show up and you get an award. That has changed an entire generation. Portions of my generation, I still identify with. As a Gen Xer, but that's not about math as much as it is about lifestyle, and plenty of people my age could fall into a millennial category. But this idea you just show up, you play ball, and you get a trophy has changed the world. It's certainly changed the left and liberalism, and it's turned into, oh, we get what we want or we're going to be mad about it. We might even make up some shit that makes our point even more for us. It's toxic, and it's been bad. It's been really, really, really bad. Yeah, hey, little little dude, you're on the team. Yeah, you play baseball. You're in the outfield. Yeah, you pretty much suck. You're not any good. You didn't really do anything for us. If we could replace you with somebody else, we would. But, hey, anyway, here's a trophy, dude. That kind of upbringing has created this madness that we deal with. And this coddled culture of fairness. Oh, that's not fair. It's not fair. This isn't fair. Yeah, get used to it, dude. Just because you got a trophy for playing a sport you weren't any good at doesn't mean anything else in your life is going to be fair. And it's not just sports. There's participation trophies everywhere. That's the root of this. That's where people come out and start losing their minds over things that, generally speaking, most people don't give a shit about. If everybody sat down and just was honest, nobody would care. Nobody cares that there was blackface, quote-unquote, with Jimmy Fallon 20 years ago on Saturday Night Live. It's fake outrage. It's fake. And it's not just a left thing. The uh, the whole MAGA types do the same kind of thing. I don't know what triggered their reasons for all this. Like, probably just their outrage, which in some of that's not fake, towards the way that the left and the Bernie bros, the the way they conduct themselves and the approach that they take towards everything, whether it's really big and important issue or absolutely meaningless bull spit like Jimmy Kimmel doing Carl Malone bit back on the old man show, or Jimmy Fallon impersonating Chris Rock, and this turns into a cancel culture blackface. Give me a break, piss off, tell him to pound sand, and move along. Coming up next, Tim Kelly is a longtime Chattanooga, known by many for different reasons, the Chattanooga football club. Kelly Cadillac and Kelly Subaru more recently recently he wants to be your next mayor in the city of Chattanooga. we will get to that and a look back at past mayors and some tidbits about the timeline that is the history of Chattanooga coming up next. Now back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stoneonair.com. Now let me introduce myself and tell you a little bit about my story. My name is Tim Kelly, and I was born and raised right here in Chattanooga. I spent most of my life working my way up through the ranks of my family's car business, Kelly Cadillac, where over the years, I've built a relationship with many of you and your families. I'm proud of our city, and I believe we have what it takes to be a model for the nation in so many ways, because I believe our city needs a clear vision for the future that will put us on the path to recovery. We've had our shining moments, and we've proven that we can rise to the occasion. Well, it's time for us to rise to that challenge once again. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running to be your next mayor. Because I believe our city needs a clear vision for the future that will put us on the path to recovery. In closing, I hope you'll join us. Head over to KellyForChattanooga.com and sign up to follow along with the campaign to find ways to get involved. Thank you, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. So it's the song we would play every election day over at the old talk station, or at least when I was in control of the audio coming out of the speakers, save the host of the show, Alice Cooper's Elected. Tim Kelly, Kelly Subaru, Chattahoochee Brewing Company, the CFC, Chattahoochee Football Club, and many many nonprofits. He's on the board of directors for I don't know, countless different nonprofits and volunteer work. The list is long. I, I mean, I think you know, I've, I've heard that before. Uh, I don't know what they are. And honest, uh, you know, real speak, real talk. I don't really care. I know the guy knows what he's doing. And he's one of the sharpest guys, people, humans in the city of Chattanooga who has so much sweat equity and so much name recognition equity in a situation like this that would be a uh, elected position as the mayor of the city of Chattanooga. I just I can't see any way that he doesn't easily win this position. Chattanooga tends to have the city a reputation of kind of anointing the next mayor, at least in my lifetime, my adult life, of following this position. I'll get to more of that here in a minute. I'm going to look at past mayors and kind of bounce around a little bit overall. Uh, Tim's a friend of mine. He's been very good to me in the broadcast world as far as being a guest and bringing information to me, answering the phone, returning texts and emails. He, uh, He clearly has a strong respect for me and I have a uh just an unmeasurable respect for him and uh, I really really do hope that he wins this uh this this position. It and I I hate to put it this way, but it is true there is something sitting here at 40 years old in a mid-sized city where I've had a little bit of a voice here and there, not much. I'm not trying to overplay my hand here, but There is something to say about, you know, being the guy that is one call away from getting the mayor on the phone.
0: Hey, what's going on over there? I'll get the
1: mayor on the phone. I'll call him right now. (laughs) You know, that's not real. That's like some kind of um, ego stroking, just kind of overcompensation maybe thing in one's life. Knowing important people and, and having influential people at an arm's length from you is uh is fun it's nice it makes you feel like you're doing something right even if that's a fabrication and not real even if it's completely just all in your head hey man never miss an opportunity to get excited but it's more complicated than that this city has been run for the most part pretty well you know andy burke is a is a weird guy i've never liked him at all he's a liar he's not there's no transparency whatsoever whatsoever within that uh, administration. He was fooling around with his chief of staff and we, all that stuff from four years ago. He's uh, he's worn out his damn welcome. So good riddance, Andy Burke. Let's get somebody in here that we can trust, somebody that we know, somebody who will be transparent, I believe, somebody who will regularly be in the community Who because that's what he does. Just go half the time to nightfall with the Kelly Subaru tent set up in the car from down the street from his dealership. And he's there. He, I mean, sometimes just having a beer and hanging out, not just representing his company. He's in the community. He's involved and he is really, really sharp and really good at what he does from the times free press. Just the other day, Sarah Grace Taylor is who wrote it. Business owner, Tim Kelly announces mayoral campaign. Uh, let's see. I forgot. I always forget. He's a owner of Southern Honda power sports as well. Kelly says he does not identify with any political party. He said seeking the nonpartisan role of mayor is the first and only political campaign he ever plans to pursue. That's a question I was going to ask him the first time I got the chance. Is this the first step in many? He says it's not. He says he has the goal of getting back to the depoliticized Mayor's office quote one of the things that's attractive about this race is that it's a nonpartisan race Where left and right are not important. My thesis is that if you break down local issues into smallest little Lego blocks, they are not left or right. There's no Republican or Democrat angle to getting garbage picked up on time. Uh, let's see. Kelly says he is already considering a run for office, but the ongoing coronavirus crisis inspired him to do so even more as he prepared for the race. Kelly said he spent the last year grooming a management team capable of taking temporary control of his businesses during the race. If he wins, Kelly plans to step away from his businesses or put them in a trust during his tenure and uh, I was going to ask him that. The second question, what about the brewing company, which he doesn't have a hands-on every day of that aspect of that company? CFC, he does. Kelly Subaru, he does. That's a big trans tr- transition in, in at least two of those, soccer and cars. And I just thought about this. If this isn't enough to win him the cool vote, Tim Kelly's business interests are in cars, craft beer, and sports. More specifically, one of the most popular on-the-rise sports, soccer. That's going to get you the cool vote all day. So later on down the road, I will do a more comprehensive breakdown of all the candidates for mayor. It is in March of next year, so we got plenty of time to do that. We also have city councilman Russell Gilbert, which I know know nothing about him. Local businessman Andrew McLaren, I've never even heard of until I read this story the other day, and then Monty Brule, who is a very well-known, very cool dude who um, would make a great mayor. I'm just not sure he'll have what it takes to go up against Tim. All that will be, you know, we'll find that out as time unfolds, and I'll do a breakdown and very likely reach out to all four to have a a time on the, the podcast to talk about what they see going forward for the next four to eight years, depending on how long the next administration is. But the interesting part of that piece from the Chattanooga Times Free Press, which I already knew this, but I'm glad that they're bringing it out there and talking about it. And I'm glad Tim addressed it as well. Well, this is a nonpartisan uh, political position, but I mean, at the end of the day, we all have our leanings. So yeah, you can call it nonpartisan, but that doesn't mean that it necessarily is because that's all anybody gives a damn about, which is a little unfortunate. And Tim is a very, I don't want to speak for him, a liberal-minded, based kind of guy, but a super conservative entrepreneurial business sense. And it's, he's, he's the ultimate moderate. And I love moderation. But there's plenty of uh, MAGA types out there who all they, if you don't like Trump, then they hate you, right? And I that's from my experience anyway. And this is the post that Tim put out the other day, kind of addressing that on his Facebook page after he made the announcement. It says, thanks everybody for all the words. Da, 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 thanks his family, all that. Then it gets getting a lot of questions about, quote, what I am politically. I'm afraid the false dichotomy of red versus blue has become so entrenched that people often have a hard time processing someone who doesn't fit neatly in one category or the other. Here's what I am, a Chattanoogan. My campaign is fundamentally about localism. I think if you break down issues to the most local level, they are almost never ideological. They are about practical solutions to common problems. I have no further political ambitions beyond improving our city, so I don't need my ticket punched. I have friends on both sides of the aisle, and my co-chairs are a Democrat And a Republican. And yes, they actually get along. I believe that it's true diversity of opinion that helps us arrive at the right answer. I hope this helps you understand. And that makes for a fascinating angle. He's coming into it headfirst, diving into the deep end, saying, this ain't about Democrats or Republicans, all the way to the point that I have co-chairs one a democrat one republican i believe it's it's joda that's the, the democrat that he's been kind of uh they've been working together for a long time And i think it's oscar brock do i have that name right i might be wrong about that i apologize if i do but uh, joda thong and Oscar. actually i'm going to check that right now before i go any further okay with a quick google search i couldn't figure out the answer to that i'm pretty sure i'm right that it's oscar brock if i'm wrong fine that's not the point the point is a moderate Republican and a moderate Democrat are going to be his co-chair on this uh, campaign to be mayor of the city of Chattanooga. And so then I started poking around online and just like normal, I start running into things I wasn't expecting that might be interesting for the show. I mean, I can't spend 10, 15, 20 minutes only on just loving on Tim Kelly. That's going to be a boring segment. So I found a list of the history of the mayors in the city of Chattanooga and ran into some stuff that I wasn't familiar with and some names that just at least jumped off the page that I wanted to read to you. First of all, starting in 1840, the mayor position was reelected every year. And this is at the bottom of the page. I'll get to it first. It says from 1840 to 1882, mayors served one year terms. Now, they could be reelected. But it was a year-to-year basis, which seems uh, a little silly. That's why I would say in 1883, about 45 years later, mayors were now on two-year terms. And that went till 1911. And then in 1911 to present, it is a four-year term. And I don't think there's term limits. I still haven't got that exact. The way things are worded, I'm pretty sure that if you want to be mayor for the rest of your life, you keep getting elected You will uh, you'll be able to do that. I don't know that for sure, but that's what it looks like. So some names that jump off the page here over the years in 1849, Thomas Crutchfield, of course, a lot of Crutchfields around here. Are they kin? I don't know. Thomas Crutchfield was again mayor 10 years later in 1859 for one year in 1863 to 1865. The city of Chattanooga was under direct control from the United States Army for uh, the duration of the Civil War. There was no mayor. The the, the war efforts in the country said, we now own you, Chattanooga. The next name that jumps off the page in 1893 for the next four years, our mayor was George W. Ox. Of course, that's where the name Ox Highway comes from, spelled O-C-H-S. I'm pretty sure that the Ox family was involved in either The Times or the news free Press one or the other I could be wrong on that in 1909 never known this we've all heard of TC Thompson Hospital right well that name comes from our mayor in 1909 to 1915. in 1919 our mayor was Alexander Wilde Chambliss lots of Places you'll find the name Chambliss in the city of Chattanooga. I do not know what that connection is. If there is any, my guess is there probably is. In 1951, Peter Rudolph, Old Jotty. Remember all those years when all of us idiot kids thought it was the Old Johnny Bridge? It's the Old Jotty Bridge. uh, Constructed in the mid-50s, if I remember correctly. In 1975, Charles A. Pat Rose was our mayor. Is that the Pat Rose who was, like, the professional wrestler who now does off and on a radio show? Pat Rose set the hook right into, like, a fishing show or something? Not sure if that's him or not. Uh, 1983 to 1997, well, there answers your question whether there's term limits because there clearly isn't. We had the, uh, our mayor was uh, Gene Roberts. I only remember hearing about Gene Roberts from the old talk guys who would talk about the old mayor, when I first started listening to talk radio in the late 90s and into the early 2000s, Gene Roberts was there until 1997. In 1997, John Kinsey took over the position as mayor of the city for the next four years. The father of my buddy Adam and uh, the father-in-law to his wife Monica Kinsey who now run the Choo Choo. She is involved with several different projects. Adam himself is the uh, president of the Choo Choo now. He was there until 2001. Bob Corker won in 2001 to 2005, one term. Ron Littlefield was there for 8 years from 05 to 13. He had spent a long time on I believe it was the city council the entire time. He might have been on the county commission at some point too, but I I know it was a city council for a long time. It was one of those, it was kind of his turn deals. He uh, ran as an independent. He stepped down in 2013 and Andy Burke has been there for the last seven and a half years. And in all likelihood, we will have a new mayor. Well, not in all likelihood, we absolutely will have a a new mayor. In all likelihood, it will be Tim Kelly. I was going to do, well, let's do this real quick on the way out, actually, because this was just uh, one of the sources for the Wikipedia page was the timeline of Chattanooga. Let's run through some of this. Uh, The Chattanooga Times newspaper was established in 1969. Walnut Street Bridge was built in 1890, Chattanooga Public Library in 1905, Market Street Bridge in 1917, the Tivoli was built in 1921, Memorial Auditorium was built in 1924, in 1933 the Chattanooga Free Times newspaper begins publication, in 1935 the EPB was established, in 1959 the Old Jotty was built as I mentioned just a minute ago, in 1961 the Tennessee Valley Railroad Museum was founded. In 1975, Marilyn Lloyd took over the 3rd Congressional District and stayed there till the mid 90s until Zach Womp took over. Gene Roberts in 1983, veteran, uh, he was a mayor, Veterans Memorial Bridge built in 84, Aquarium in 92. Uh, the Chattanooga Times Free Press merger was in 1999, The Gig in 10, Volkswagen in 11, Andy Burke in 13, and their. You go appreciate you guys so much. Finding the coolest podcast in the city of Chattanooga, you might not like everything I say, you might think I'm a damn fool at times, but overall, I do think if you're interested in this city, this podcast would be, uh, I would like to think interesting to listen to. Pass it on to a friend if you don't mind. Rate and review, I haven't asked you to do that in a long time because, as I've said many times, I wouldn't rate and review your podcast. So, if you don't want to rate and review mine, don't but if you do i would appreciate it coming up next addictions in the middle of a pandemic more specifically gambling why well because i heard an interesting thought on it the other day and it got me thinking about it i will expand on that coming up next stone
0: on air we'll be right back oh darling what juicy gossip i have for our listeners stone on air.com last so scene on fox news That on CNN, they had the mayor of Las Vegas on and she wants to open up Vegas. And I say, good. I've been locked in this house too goddamn long. And I'm trying to turn these $1,200 Donnie dollars that Trump sent me into next month's rent. And I can hear you people now, oh, you gamble too much. You got a problem. I like to place bets. That's what I do. And I'm trying to go out to Vegas during a pandemic. So, yeah, you could say I like to gamble. I'm tired of placing all these Mickey Mouse bets on online darts and online horse tournaments. I want some real action. I wanna sit in a semi-circle, shoulder to shoulder with people from all over the country, touching the same objects, high-fiving each other, blowing on each other's dice, and I'm gonna hit it big, I can feel it. And I can hear all you people in the comments now, you're gonna get everybody sick, you're gonna get people sick, you should stay in the house. Well, so what if I get sick? Because they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So if I get it, I'll leave and it'll stay there. So knock it off with all this tyranny. Open up the states, or at least open up Vegas. (laughs) I love it.
1: Bob Seger is one of those uh, classic rock artists that got ruined for me by kz sucks. I mean, KZ106.5, classic rock station I worked at for many, many, many years. He's great. He's fine, but classic rock radio makes him uh, sound stupid because they only play like three or four songs. So let's see what this segment, um, why? First of all, I found that from Brent Tahoon, who is just hysterical. I just love, 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 love his uh, MAGA type uh, satire parody thing that he does. But I, I got the idea to do this segment the other day, when I was listening to my Atlanta radio show in the afternoon at work every day, almost every day, I don't miss it. It's a four-hour show called Chuck and Chernoff, uh, Matt Chernoff and Chuck Oliver, and it's just sports-related, but it's more—it's a lot of pop culture. It's not minutia. It's not numbers. It's not the backup quarterback to Georgia or Tennessee or whatever. It's—it is a entertainment-based show, and they have a guy on. His name is RJ Bell from uh, out in Vegas. He is one of the sharps as they say. He is a uh, booking uh, bookie kind of guy. In that I don't know how to use a lingo. I don't I don't gamble. First of all, I'll come back to RJ Bell in a second. I don't gamble. I've never placed a bet on a game. I'm sure I've talked about this in the past on this show, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but I'm a very risk averse person. I always Uh, I always weigh out risk versus reward. And that doesn't mean I don't take risk. It just means I really evaluate risk and reward before I do anything. And the reward of winning money based on a, on a wager versus the risk of losing that money has never been enticing to me ever. Like there is no urge. And then as I've gotten older and realized mental health and addiction issues Amongst adults and well, young people as well, but certainly adults. Once that really takes hold and can take control of somebody's life, I hate it even more. And if it were up to me, or not up to me, but if you just said, "Hey, would you like to make gambling illegal?" I'd say, "I don't give a shit. You can leave it illegal. I don't care." I, 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 I see the damage that it creates, so I don't. I I I'm not into it. I'm not. I Actually, I am interested in the conversation. Like, talking about over-unders in football, It it is an interesting conversation. It's just not so compelling to me that I want to get involved in it. So, you know, smoke your weed, drink your wine, drink your beer, uh, drink your liquor, and bet on your games. But they're all dangerous. And if you don't take that seriously... Uh, then you're not paying attention in my book. But anyway, I diverted away from what I was saying. R.J. Bell was on with the show talking about how Vegas is closed and ve- people aren't visiting. So that's hurting the dollars uh, tourist-wise. That's hurting every industry that is what that city was founded on, Sin City, for crying out loud. And, um, and people who have the addiction, the gambling problem, are not able to get that fix. And they didn't spend a lot of time on it, but they talked about it for a few minutes. And it got me thinking. I was like, well, all right. That makes sense to me. You know, I'm an alcoholic. I drink a lot of gin. That I mean, not beer. I like to have a beer when I'm out, but I have, you know, gin and tonics on the regular. And if you all of a sudden told me I couldn't do that, that would be a major health issue for me. Same thing would be with people who smoke cigarettes. Luckily, I don't do that. Or people who do uh, other drugs, or anything that becomes an addiction. We're all addicted to something. Just find, just look around. Whether it's sodium, sugar, alcohol, uh, whatever it might be. There's so many different things. And if you were just all of a sudden told you can't have that now, that's a um, that that's something that a lot of people don't think about unless it directly affects them. And then it got me thinking about the grander scale of. Well, when do we get back to the new normal? Because I remember this, going back, you know, what is it, 15 years now, Hurricane Katrina came in and devastated New Orleans and the Delta area and all that, all those places. But more specifically, people focused on New Orleans and said that regularly the, the thought was it'll never be the same. New Orleans has been destroyed, and it'll never be the New Orleans that we once knew. And that just wasn't true. Fifteen years later, New Orleans is the exact same New Orleans we always knew knew that it was. Now, it's it's always had poverty. It's always had a lot of downtrodden areas and a lot of difficulties in overall culture. That's kind of where some of the charm comes from. It's, it's exactly like we've always known New Orleans to be. It just took a long time to get back to that. And a lot of time people are are discussing Vegas and sporting events and concerts and mass gatherings and rallies for presidential campaigns and whatever it might be, oh, it'll never be like this again. Whether it's even in fast food restaurants or the different ways that people are doing things, regulations and protocols and all that, while everybody has no idea how to handle this flu, really? Because that's what it is, the flu? um, It'll never be the same. I don't believe that. I think it will be. I think it will be back to Vegas as Sin City and sitting around in a semicircle, rubbing elbows with people and you know swapping spit and 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 swapping molecules in the air and maybe getting sick and maybe not. I think that will happen. I just don't know how long it's going to take. And for the people who are having issues with gambling addiction when there's very little gambling to be had, I can't imagine what they're going through. Uh, Let's see, this says nearly 180,000 Nevadians, is that how you say that? Nevada natives, anyway, or residents, struggle with a gambling problem. COVID-19 has changed everyone's daily lives, especially those who struggle with this issue. These individuals may now face the added stress of potential layoffs, decreased income, and increased isolation as all non-essential businesses across the state temporarily have been closed let's see this is from a a piece just from today from the i think it's pittsburgh inquire i wanted it from the wall street journal but those assholes are making you pay for their content so i go somewhere else just because casinos are closed during the coronavirus pandemic doesn't mean the folks who deal with problem gambling don't have concerns gamblers will still gamble Keith Wyatt, the executive director for the National Council Council, excuse me, on problem gambling. People with gambling problems are at a higher risk now because they are isolated, have poor access to health care, and poor access to resources. And I thought I had one more page. I do. Here it is. Uh, White doesn't condemn gambling, he just looks out for the people who fall through the cracks. An estimated 2 million Americans meet the standard criteria for gambling addiction. Another 4 to 6 million could be considered to have a problem. And here's a number that's going to just scream at you. And I'm not going to spend much more time on this, but the wraps on the show here in just a minute. Las Vegas-based CDC Gaming Reports reported that MGM Resorts International is losing $14.4 million dollars per day. MGM is losing just shy of $15 million a day. And I I don't know what my overall greater point here is other than just a couple of things like one on the periphery over there and one on the periphery over there. And then the the satire comedy spot over here made me think, yeah, what about the gamblers? (laughs) What about the degenerate gamblers? What are they doing? I mean, us alcoholics, we've got liquor stores open around the clock because they're quote-unquote essential. Pot smokers can go to the dispensary, I think, and if not, you just go get it from the guy down the street you used to get it from. Uh, you know, beer drinkers and cigarette smokers, you go to the store, you get your vice there. What does the gambler do? You throw a few dollars down on some kind of, I don't know, virtual reality uh, horse race online? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that addiction is like, and I am so thankful that I do not understand that addiction, and I am so vehemently against it that I never will know, meaning against it from a personal standpoint. You want to go gamble your life away? You go right on ahead, just as I'm going to sit over here and drink my life away if I feel like it. That's the libertarian in me. I never once received a trophy for anything that wasn't merit-based or Accomplished, And that is all I have for you today on the Stone On Air podcast for May 27th, 2020. Y'all have a great week. We'll do it again next week as we officially start June, almost halfway through the hellhole that is the year 2020. Have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye.